welcome back to the Respect the Drive podcast. I'm Tedward, and like any great podcast, this starts off with an apology. I'm so sorry. I have not been producing these podcasts with the frequency that I intended. The last one came out at the end of February. We are almost, well, I guess when this airs, this is June. It's June. It's been a little while, but I hope you can appreciate that I, 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 I dedicated my resources, the Tedward resources, which is just me, to the channel. And we've got a lot of great cars going on. We've got a lot of great videos happening because more and more oddball cars are coming out of the woodwork and generous owners are tossing me the keys. But you know, it means I've been neglecting my own cars. And thankfully, they're not neglected because the M5, my E39 M5 with 79,000 miles, is up at Garage 42. And since we last spoke, Craft Detailing, the people who paint corrected and opti-coded the uh, ceramic coating on my M3, they opened shop up in Woburn at Garage 42. They've actually taken over that delivery bay, which is now a wash bay. I guess it was always intended to be a wash bay, but now they're they're washing and detailing and correcting cars up there. So my guy Kevin at Craft Detailing, he's been working up at Garage 42 on and off because, you know, he's back in Dedham as well because they've got both stores. But he sees my M5. He sees my M5 and he sends me an angry text. He just says, this should be taken away from you. If there was DSS for cars, I would have have this removed from your possession. I would have this in foster care. And he's not wrong. The paint on my M5, I mean, mechanically, the car is okay. You know, I do take reasonably good care of it, but my goodness, the paint on that car, I've never really done anything to it because although I'm only the second owner, I think the first owner was one of those guys who would just take it to car washes, let it do its thing. I, you know, he's probably letting the BMW dealership just take like wheel brushes to the thing. You know, when you go for an oil change at a dealership and they just do a terrible job washing your car, they're like, look, it's shiny. It's like, yeah, great. You introduced every swirl possible into this car. Anyway, if you look at the craft detailing Instagram page, I think they put a picture of it and they said, this is an M5 where the swirls have swirls. So he took it upon himself. He goes, I can't look at this anymore. <laughs> they, they've been corrected the car. We still have to opti-code it. Uh, I haven't taken it out yet. I haven't seen it finished in person, but I did see like a 50-50 cuz he did he he did me a favor and he and he paint corrected half of the car so I could see how bad it was, which was a benefit for both video and for him to go, look at what you did. Look at what you did. Look at what I did. So anyway, huge thanks to Craft Detailing up at Garage 42. But today, today, we have a phenomenal guest. We have Tim McGrain. This may not be a household name for you, Tim McGrain, but Tim McGrain is the former CEO of WeatherTech Laguna Seca Raceway. This is like the real deal. He also was uh, in the leadership position up at the Blackhawk Museum in Northern California. And now he's just taken over as CEO of M1 Concourse in Pontiac, Michigan. Now, you may not know what M1 Concourse is. If you're a Jackie Ding fan, you definitely know M1 Concourse because that's where he wrecked a Supra. Uh, <laughs> airbags and everything. But M1 Concourse is a great little track. It's not a racetrack. It's more like a it's more like a test track. It, you know, it's not somewhere where we're gonna go like two, three cars wide passing each other, but it's a great place to go experience a car. It's a small, like intimate kind of track, but they sell garage space. They sell basically like clubhouses for car enthusiasts. So whether you're like storing a couple of cars or like a full-blown collection that you want to be able to share with everybody, open the big garage doors and have little gatherings and all that kind of, you know, that's what this place is about. It's a great little gated community for car enthusiasts. So I'll let him explain. But what I like about this interview is that we're talking to somebody who's 
like a businessman with a passion for cars who's showing us kind of what the future of the automotive world will be like for enthusiasts. Because remember, we're all doom and gloom here right now, right? We're talking about EVs. Everything's going away. Oh, we're never going to have it like we used to. Well, there's still dudes like this who are coming in, basically investing in the future of preserving what we love. So let's go talk to Tim. Tim isn't our typical car enthusiast. Tim is a Tim is a businessman car enthusiast who's kind of living the CEO dream that we all wish we could do. You you are the CEO of M1 Concourse right now out in uh, Pontiac, Michigan, which, I mean, y- you've got a you've got a racetrack. We do well. Actually, it's it's more classified as a high performance driving experience track. Uh, the the track was designed. It's one point five miles, eleven turns. Um, it, it was not designed for wheel-to-wheel competition. Um, you could certainly compete against the clock, um, but uh, again, so I say that's, that's why we classify it as a sort of a high-performance driving track. And for those who have not seen the venue, I've driven by it. I've, I've gone up to the gate. The code changed, so I never, <laughs> I, I never went in. But it's right off the road. I mean, it's really a fascinating location because... It's 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 so central to where I think a lot of uh, people in the area in the Detroit greater Detroit metro area live. I mean, it's if you owned cars and you wanted the ideal storage facility to keep your vehicles safe, sound, and near other enthusiasts who are going to respect your stuff, it doesn't get any better than this place. Well, we, we certainly think so. I mean, we're we're fortunate to be where we are. We're right on Woodward Avenue. Uh, we're, we're right on the south part of the city of Pontiac, where Pontiac and Bloomfield Hills joins. And this particular property is, is historically referred to as the Triangle, and, and that's what we almost are. We're, we're bordered on, uh, you know, by roads on three sides: uh, Woodward Avenue, South Bullard, and Franklin, and then uh, the railroad on the other side. Um, and they actually have have been making vehicles of some description since about 1902, 1903 on this piece of property. Uh, for the longest period of time, it was the, the GMC assembly plant uh, for a combination of, of uh, commercial vehicles. I think probably the most iconic one that was made here was the, the infamous sort of six-wheel motorhomes from the 70s uh, that sort of we all know and loved in the day, and, and then they became forgotten, and, and now they've become very much desirable. Um, that originally started, uh, actually, my office sits on the property that was the land of the original Rapid Motor Car Company back in the, uh, the, the early 20th century. And uh, it was named after the street behind us, which is actually called Rapid Street. That's quite a bit more pedigree than uh, I was at. I was in Los Angeles uh, two weeks ago and we went to the Porsche Experience Center, which is literally built on a dump. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you know, I tell you what, when the, when the GMC shuttered this place, uh, when they went through that sort of, uh, you know, sort of downturn in their business, um, I think there was a period of time where this property probably would have fitted that description. <laughs> I mean, it's nice to see it, it, it end, end up in, I, you know, from my point of view, the right hands. Um, I've, I've gotten a glimpse into the facility here and there just from, um, either, you know, YouTube videos, uh, and some friends who, who work, uh, some of the thrill rides. I have a friend, yeah. uh, Chris Amos, the Topher on YouTube. He, he, he's one of the thrill ride drivers out in the Hellcats, you know, someone has a wedding or yeah. an event, I guess pre COVID we're on our way back to it now. But, uh, I find this fascinating that people, especially in Detroit, 
there's such a, a culture around cars that's ingrained in that city that it, it, you don't have to be a special enthusiast. Like any kind of company, I think, could have an outing at this location in Detroit, and it wouldn't be odd. Yes, we are fortunate. So we have a bit of a, a, a sort of a, a private and then a public identity. Um, our, the private side is we have 250 privately owned garages, uh, whereas, you, as you previously mentioned, you know, people – you know, can keep their car collections. Um, they they also create a uh, you know somewhat of a uh, I wouldn't say a, a car guy's paradise because we have sort of lady owners. Uh, but they go from one extreme. Some people have got their race cars. They've got a lift. They've got the obligatory refrigerator that they can keep their beer cold and their toolbox. And then others are the extreme case of sort of the Taj Mahal for for automotive. Uh, uh, people are passionate about the automotive and, and spectacular places, you know, almost to the point where you, you sort of step inside and, and you, you look outside and you go, did I go through a time warp or something? Because these places are mind-blowing. Um, so, And then our public identity is, is the events that we do, both the large major events we have coming up and, and like a lot of places around the country, we're, we're going to start kicking off our cars and coffee season. Um, and, and then we have you know, people that, that, that rent the facility, rent the track for events. Um, I wish they had the opportunity to, you know, to have road, uh, the uh, thrill rides or hot laps included. It's fascinating that there's this location where people can, you know, and I know I'm, I feel like I'm just advertising for it right now, but, <laughs> but the reality for me is any of the collections that I've seen kind of in the Boston area, for the most part, they're not located at people's homes. They're in, 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 what from the outside look like very unsuspecting, almost dingy warehouses. And then you enter there and there's maybe $30 million worth of rare yeah. Italian metal and Pininfarina and Bertoni coachwork, all this crazy stuff. And the only time you would be able to enjoy that with a group of people is if you were to have invited that group of people. To me, I love the idea. This almost seems like a, like a, like a, a freshman college dormitory version of the car enthusiast where you can roll into your place, open the door, and there's probably going to be your neighbor hanging out with his door open too, you know, especially on a weekend. You can have that camaraderie with people, yeah. like-minded folks who are just hanging out doing their thing. That, that to me, is really what I like about it because the pressure seems off of the social situation. It's just, it's just available. It's part of the gig. No, it, you're exactly right. We have that a lot of times. and, and Like this evening, you know, we have – track days for, for our motorsports club members and they just finished about 30 minutes ago and and I suspect there's there's a whole group of them gathering you know out, outside or inside you know one of the the garages just sort of hanging out most of our the owners of our garages live within about 30 minutes of where we are um, so you know for them to just say oh, I'm going to go over to M1 um, and when they get over here find there's you know 10 people or, or 50 people, you know, all hanging out here, either on track or, or just, you know, in their garages, you know, do, doing whatever they do. So we, we've got a very, um, very active social group of, of owners, which I think that certainly makes uh, enjoying what we have here or the people who enjoy their garage, you know, to have a nice garage and nice cars, uh, but not necessarily be able to share it, you know, with other people or enjoy that, that camaraderie. Um, I think we, that's one thing that's a very that's that's a, a big plus for where we are because we are so centrally located in, in a metropolitan area. 
So for you, you've you've walked into this as uh, you know now as a CEO, you kind of have to have this businessman's vision of what goes on and and what improves, what changes, what's the future of this. What does that look like for you? What 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 did M1 Concourse lack? And for those, I can already see the emails. They're saying it's not Concourse. Well, it is Concourse. It's spelled. It is spelled like <laughs> Concourse. <laughs> so I figure we'll hit that one now before I have to reply to those. Um, but uh, you know what 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 do you see this become? How do you envision this, especially going forward in a time where everyone seems so uncertain and very um, apocalyptic about the motor car, <laughs> especially the way we think of, of, of automotive enthusiasm? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, when I joined M1 and I took over the position of CEO March 1st, um, already on the schedule was was our Woodward Dream Show, which actually was an event that planned last year, but but unfortunately got postponed like the the, the rest of every event calendar in the world, um, and American Speed Festival, um, you know, which we're doing. So those two events were already scheduled. What we're looking to do is, is to, to take these events and make them, um, you know, not large events because we're not a large facility. You know, we sit on 87 acres, so there's, there's, there's only so much, you know, we can do. And, and maybe in today's world, uh, smaller, you know, intimate or more bespoke events uh, are the way to go. Uh, but we're creating – well, the Woodward Dream Show is very much a car event because it's at the same time as a Woodward Dream Cruise, and we sit right on, on M1, which is the designation for Woodward Avenue, Michigan Highway 1. Um, so, so that very much is going to be a, a, a tribute to um, the cars that, that made Woodward Avenue the legacy that it is as, as a car event, um, but, but also today's contemporary. So it could be anything from you know the cars that ran on Woodward Avenue in the 60s and 70s up to nowadays, you know, maybe a car that's a Riddler Award winner or America's Most Beautiful Roadster winner or any of the, the SEMA award-winning cars, cars that you wouldn't potentially see on the street because of either the owner's concerns or the value or they're just not comfortable doing that. Um, but we're providing a, a controlled environment, a venue where they can be displayed as part of an event, you know, because the owners like, still like to share the cars. And obviously it gives spectators or attendees are possible to sort of see the cars up close did you find this part of let me rephrase that did you find that this culture this part of the country was a little foreign at first i know that you you've spent most of your time i did a little research (laughs) you spent most of your time on the west coast in uh in kind of northern california Uh, you know you you ran laguna seca raceway which is absolutely a rats i mean that's a heck of a a bullet on your resume sir uh, you know, that is a different world. California is what the world looks to for what we consider car culture, right? You're either in Northern Italy in the Swiss Alps uh, or Monaco, or you're in California. So for you, what was it like moving to Detroit? I mean, that's a big, that's a big jump from, uh, you know, what we see out West. It, it is. And, and, and you're certainly right about California, specifically Southern California, um, I, I, I've been fortunate. I've, um, you know, lived a couple of times in Southern California, was in Northern California a couple of times, and, and then over to Arizona. Um, the cars that are in Southern California, uh, or actually even in Northern California, um, there, there's certainly a, a, a great car culture out there. Um, you know, it's very much that sort of the, the sun and sand and sea lifestyle. Um, you know, the, the collectors out there to have some of those legendary you know, European sports and race cars from the 50s and 60s, and, and then the modern-day contemporary cars, um, because the, the climate allows you to have that. Um, 
you know, in some cases the roads do, the traffic certainly hinders, you know, your ability to enjoy them. I can vouch for that. But even um, back in the 50s, I mean, Max Hoffman was the guy cultivating yeah. what Porsche yeah. was going to sell to the yeah. American market. I yeah. mean, it's pretty outrageous. No, very much so. I, there's, a, there's, a, there's certainly a, a, a tremendous car culture here in, in the Detroit area. It's, it's, I wouldn't say very much focused because I've, I've got to experience a sort of a full season to, to see what fully comes out um, of sort of winter hibernation, um, which is obviously one thing you don't have to worry about in California. You can, you can have your cars out all year round. Um, but, you know, American muscle cars uh, and, and, and hot rods, um, I've certainly, you know, met a, a number of people who've got European sports cars, but the, the sheer the sheer numbers of American cars make this, you know, very much uh, uh, targeted towards that world. Um, but but I think actually I, I saw a, a fact somewhere that I think actually there are there are more, you know, classic cars or car collectors in the state of Michigan than, than most other places. The concentration of cars in this this part of the world is is probably one of the highest. Um, I know you know the weather has has started to become nice. We have these these very long evenings because we're on the sort of the western side of the, of the eastern time zone. So you know pe- people are out um, even at this time of year very late. I mean every night of the week there's some car event going on, and on the weekend there's there's multiple events. Um, so it's a different kind. It's it's a slightly different focus on the cult culture, uh, but it's, I think the sheer concentration uh, is probably more so here uh, than maybe in in Southern California. What did you grow up with? What kind of cars were you growing up with as a kid? Um, well, I actually grew up, my father uh, was uh, had a uh, used car dealership. Um, so I, I got exposed at a very young age to a, a real cross-section of, of, of 50s, 60s, and 70s, you know, British and, and, and some foreign cars, European cars, um, you know, which... which uh, um, you know, some, some were adorable and, and some had a lot to be desired. But my dad wasn't passionate about cars. That was his business. That was business. Um, that was business. That was business. But I, I got to, oh my gosh, if we got a car I really liked, or my mom had a written car I really liked. I remember one time she had a little 280 SL Mercedes, and I adored that car. And, you know, and he sold it, and I was just mortified. And he tried to explain to me, we don't sell the cars. I'm in the business of selling cars, not keeping them. <laughs> you um, don't get attached to the metal. That's exactly it. Um, so I got exposed to sort of a, a, a real cross section, but uh, motorsports in England is, is is one of the top sports. I mean, you, you're exposed to to motorsports uh, as, a, as a as a front page, not not a sports page sort of activity. Um, so I, I got exposed to motorsports at a very early age. I got exposed to just cars um, and and had a passion. But I, I think from a probably a, my early teens, or maybe even before that, um, actually hot rods and custom cars. It was something I focused on. I can remember getting, you know, monthly issues of, of the, the British Custom Car Magazine. We would occasionally go up to, there was a, an event up in, in uh, London, in the area called Chelsea, called the King's Road. And they would have a, a cruise up there. Um, and we'd all jump in, in somebody's car and sort of go up there. And, and we had some friends that had some American cars, whether they were Trans Am or Mac 1 Mustangs. And then you know, so well, that must have been that, a heck of a sight in in you know even I guess it what was that early eighties? Yes, yeah, okay. actually probably late seventies. Late seventies. Okay, yeah. I mean that's a that's kind of a a rarity to see out there even today. If you, if you're you know if you it, you're kind of hot shit if you've got a Corvette in in London right now. 
if you got yeah, and that back in those days, I mean, merit cars definitely stand out. You know, one, you know, their size on on most English roads. Um, secondly, you know, the, the the price of gasoline and filling up the tank, <laughs> and, and, and their consumption abilities to drain your wallet uh, was was another one. But uh, yeah, so what that uh, sort of the whole world of, of of custom cars was certainly you know an, an early favorite of of mine. Um, but then I was also into racing, you know, because we live very close to one of the major racetracks in England, Brands Hatch. So, oh, wow. you know, we'd, we'd go out there for, I, I think, early passion. Motorcycles were sort of an early appeal. Um, maybe that's because we, we all pretended we were riding our bikes around the neighborhood trying to be, you know, one of the famous bike riders. But um, mo- most things that had a motor on it, whether it was cars, bikes, go-karts, uh, big trucks, anything like that. Were you racing? Were you finding ways to get on track yourself? Or was no, I wasn't. I was just, you know, sort of passionate about cars, but ne- never really had that sort of call to go racing. Uh, a very good friend of mine, in fact, a neighbor, um, he, he was very competitive in uh, kart racing. In fact, at, at one time he was in the, the, the British junior team uh, that would, would race internationally. But every weekend, you know, we were at a, a kart track somewhere um, and he would go racing. But uh, I, I, I gave it a try a couple of times. But uh, and and that's one actually probably the last time I was actually on track at Laguna Seca in something competitively was was in a shifter cart. Oh wow! Um, so I got an early passion for that, but um, you know I never never sort of took to the track in anger. No, I mean, I, and you know, to to this day, I still find myself kind of convincing car enthusiasts to go out to the track, and a lot of people, it's just not not what they want, or yeah. Or they, the vehicles they own are, you know, they look at them and they go, look, I, just trust me, this isn't making it around the, <laughs> around the racetrack. No. Or, or, or it's his ride home and he, yeah. he doesn't want such chances luck. <laughs> we find that a lot. I'm telling you, man, it's funny because I, I think a lot of people really, you find out who, who people really are. And I don't mean that as a driver. I mean that like emotionally. Like I know that people will say, oh, no, I can't do that because it's like they're going to find out that they're actually very aggressive drivers yeah. who are willing to put it all on the yeah. line. They don't want to know that about themselves. Um, well, what about your ownership history? You 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 did a stint with, um, with Barrett Jackson as well. So you... I- You've seen your way around the market. You know what's out there. So you know what you like. You know what you don't like. You know what's up and coming and affordable and what's out of reach already. Do you have a collection yourself? No, I don't. Uh, I've, I've sort of, you know, had a few here and there. Um, but I, I suppose I've always been, you know, sort of been able to sort of fulfill that through uh, either places I, I worked at. Obviously with Barrett Jackson, um, you know, for the, for, you know, for about four years I worked with Craig. Um, you know, we, we had, you know, cars all the time we were taken somewhere, probably the best experience I had. Um, although in, I wouldn't say in retrospect, it's also one when I was at the Blackhawk collection and both times, both in the nineties and, and before I went to Laguna Seca, um, you know, that's a place that has quite possibly some of the greatest cars in the world. Um, so, you know, when you're, uh, sort of custodian of, of those cars and you have the ability to, to, to drive those cars on a regular basis, um, you know, they do spoil you, you know, when you're driving sort of, you know, one-off rare cars that oh, you've yeah. only ever dreamt about. Um, so I, I've always, uh, I, I've always sort of, you know, fulfilled that desire um, or, or that sort of passion uh, through, you know, my connections to the companies I've been involved with. 
when I when I talk to younger enthusiasts, so everyone always wants to go backwards, right? Everyone says, oh, you know, cars are too numb. They're too this, they're too that. They're too quiet. They're too, you know, too computerized. And so today's generation, I, I think is, it's kind of funny because they'll be talking about how, oh, I, you know, I want a, uh, you know, an early 2000s BMW. They want an E46 M3 or an E92 M3. They say, oh, I want that analog experience. And I think that's you know, I've been fortunate enough to drive a lot of 50s, 60s, 70s, um, mm. you know, Italian, British, whatever, uh, sports cars. And I think that's always very strange to me when when we're describing cars from like 2007 or 8 as, uh, you know, ooh, I wish we had that analog experience. Now, what you're describing with the Blackhawk collection, I mean, these are some really, really wild things from, from, from pre-war. This is, you know, 20s 30s 40s yeah. um what really strikes you what what are the what are the cars that really make you say "Ooh, ooh, i, I gotta drive that i don't even want to know what it's worth just let me take it down the street do you have car do you have a memory of a car that really was a bucket list car maybe you didn't even know it existed until you saw it for the first time let me try and think about that as <laughs> take um, your time don't worry i can always splice this down there's probably, I mean, most of the cars, I, I will tell you this, there's some cars that you either always wanted to drive and maybe that particular example just didn't behave or it wasn't running well. And, and you came away with that. I thought that was going to be my bucket list day, but it turned out it, it wasn't. I've got um, a few of those. <laughs> and, and then the other extreme is I, I've driven some cars that, didn't really sort of catch my attention. You know, I respected them for what they were in, in, the, um, in the, the realm of, of classic cars. But when I drove them, they drove so well, you, you couldn't help but, but, but fall in love with them and, and, and then have a continuing passion, you know, for that. Um, yeah, so I sort of had it in both extremes. I think I'm just trying to think if there was um, – I can't think of one car that comes to mind. You can always um, change your mind at another date. We won't hold yeah, you to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, um, you know, I think probably the first time I, I drove a, uh, a Duesenberg, I think it was a supercharged Duesenberg, um, you know, that was a pretty stellar experience because, um, you know, they, they can get up and go, you know, for a big car. And I was fortunate I think the roads we were on that were in and around the Blackhawk area in the in the countryside, um, and, and that was a real thrilling experience because uh, uh, it really is uh, uh, an experience. I mean, when you you know maybe the, the demise of some of the early cars is I wouldn't say they're challenging to drive, um, but but they you you have to concentrate. You know, you you've got um, you know whether they've got uh, multiple controls you know, advanced retard or you've got to keep the fuel pressure up or, 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 or maybe you get a, a really early car um, and uh, you're using the handbrake to stop. I mean, for some people, they're just intimidating. They, they, just, they, they look at those and go, you know, wow, I just couldn't do that. Um, and that's why they're focused on I mean, it was some, I was over at the Amelia Island Concours over the weekend and, you know, somebody joked, you know, said, well, the, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the, the theft deterrent device for 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 kids is putting a is a car with a clutch pedal because they look <laughs> down there and go what what do i do with that so anyway I, I back to your original question so one car that that really did make a memorable experience and i did have to concentrate driving it i, I was very fortunate to drive 
um, the, the 1750 Alpha that, that's known as the Flying Star. Um, an Alfa Romeo, it's finished in white, as, as, as I believe all three of the Flying Star uh, cars were. Um, that, that probably was, and, but it has a, a central accelerator pedal. Um, so you really have to concentrate. You, um, you, you can't leave that to, to sort of memory because you certainly don't want to stamp on the middle pedal when you think it's the brake. Um, so you do concentrate on that. Um, but that probably, and I actually had my son with me as well. And I think he was five or six at the time. Um, but, but, but that was, that was one of those great experiences. It had been on display in the museum for a very long time. Um, it was scheduled to go to, uh, an event. Uh, so it, we, we got taken down It went through and the safety check and all the fluids and, uh, Classic Car Club of America were doing their annual meet at Blackhawk, and we pulled the car out. And I went, I, I just got to take this car out. Um, <laughs> and I wasn't intending to go as long as I did, uh, but <laughs> once I was out in it, I, I go, I've just got to keep going in this. I've had that. You've got to stop and text them and say, I haven't crashed. I've just, uh, <laughs> I will be back. I promise. I just need a moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty. Well, I just pulled up a photo of that because that that. A lot of these pre-war vehicles. This is so. This is a, a nineteen, probably a thirty-one, uh, like a six C seventeen fifty flying yes, star. Yeah. Wow! I mean, this yeah. thing is a monster. This is really something. Yeah. And you know, this is when this is in a, a lot of modern car enthusiasts. I think we have a hard time relating to pre-war vehicles. I think yeah. you really need to spend time with them. And to be honest, I think people need to experience either a drive or a ride in some of these cars to be able to appreciate them. Um, and I found that with, uh, even with some old Ferraris, I mean, everyone can relate to the sound of a V12, but yeah. not everybody, you know, when we think of vintage Ferraris, we're thinking of 250 short wheelbases. We're not thinking of, yeah, I drove a 330 GT2 plus two the other day. To most people on the road, they just see a big round silver sedan. They don't, they don't know it's a Ferrari. Yeah. They don't know that's what Enzo chose yeah. to drive every day. Uh, it doesn't look like much, but I think when people drive these cars, even Alphas, Alphaholics has gone and built some pretty wild, you know, uh, they're the singer of the Alpha yeah. world. And until I drove a few Alphas, I didn't get it. I didn't understand yeah. why people were so, you know, gaga over these cars that everyone was like, oh, they're unreliable. They never run. Everybody and their father in the countryside has an Alpha sitting under, you know, a pound, 10 pounds of dirt that's just collecting dust because it didn't run and they, they had kids and they gave up. But yeah. when you do drive these cars, I think it really, you start to appreciate the, the vibrations, the sounds, the inputs, the, you know, the feeling it gives you when you're, when you're moving so that's pretty yeah. you know you are you are in a very select few uh a living people <laughs> who have been able to drive and tell the tale that's pretty wild well i guess then the next thing is where do we go from here i mean i don't want to ask you to spec speculate on the market but you know we're watching the prices of used cars whether it's they're special or not i mean literally i mean you can't even get a nissan for a reasonable price at this point if it's got a few miles everyone's been able to sell their cars for outrageous prices but when does the bubble burst when it comes to you know fuel changes and you know evs are going to be slowly you know we're i think we're only at three percent of the market as EV at this point, we'll, we'll, we'll move forward. But the next 15 to 25 years for somebody like you in the field where you have 
M1 concourse at your fingertips and it's something that you want to grow and cultivate and make and make I think those guys are pretty safe because they probably see this as both a great retirement opportunity to hang out with their buds and have their hot rods and work on them but also as a bit of a plan B like if if suddenly I'm not allowed to drive my car in 20 30 years I'll have this track and I'll have a place to keep it. And I don't even have to tow it there. You know, what What happens to the average enthusiast as, as you know, the future looms? Well, one, one hopes that, um, you know, gasoline-powered cars, as, as much as from contemporary models, there's obviously going to be a transition. And there has to be, you know, from, from an environmental point of view. Uh, but when you look at um, sort of classic cars and, and collector cars, you know, one, one hopes that the authorities will will recognize, you know, the reasons to still keep them, quote, on the roads as, as long as a higher percentage of cars have, have, have become electrified. Um, and, and that's just going to change the, the passion, you know, for cars. But, um, you know, it is concerning when, when, you, when you hear stories that, you know, some regulators are, are clamping down on, you know, what cars can be converted from a road car to a race car. That potentially gets you know the company doing that into trouble uh, because they've 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 broken some regulation uh, that applies for road cars or cars that are going to be used on the public roads, but it's being interpreted uh, because it's going to impact you know the people that are going to you know the local track, uh, whether it's a drag strip or or it's just a sort of a quarter mile track or eighth of mile track. That that's where it's concerning, um, you know, because it is part of the the, the passion. Um, I think the, the future from a um, sort of a, a modern day car point of view and, um, you know, we, we'd all be wiser if we could look into the future. Um, you know, people are always going to like competition, always going to like, you know, going fast, you know, whether it's the, it's the, the ultimate, it's the, the, the top end of the hypercar world, um, you know, or it's just your sort of, you know, compact um, sort of sedan or compact car um, that, that, you know, kids can go in. So, you know what was the the hot rod in the in the fifties is, is is now the um, sort of the, the the small compact with um, all the computerized technology and electrification. Um, so I don't think that's going to go away. There's, there's just going to be a generational shift in the in the types of cars, or hope we still call them cars. I'd hate to think we're going to be calling them mobility devices in the future. <laughs> oh, that's depressing. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, I'm I'm you know I'm sure mobility devices will be these boxes on wheels in the autonomous lane. Uh, but I hope we'll always have something. I think, you know, I think that with cars, there's just um, all generations have a, a sort of a, a passion about different eras of cars. And I don't I don't say I don't see that changing, uh, but we also have to make sure that that where we can in today's world, that we continue to embrace younger generations um, to get connected with cars at an early age that starts building that passion. Um, it doesn't just happen. Somehow we've all been connected at some age, whether at early age or even at a later age. I mean, I, I've got a couple of friends that um, it wasn't until they were, um, you know, in their sort of middle ages that they all of a sudden became passionate about cars um, and, and, and really went crazy and made up for lost time. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a passion that has to be sort of be, be nurtured. So we, we've got to start making sure that the events that we do or the opportunity for people who enjoy cars um, you know, continues. And, and I'm hoping this is going to be my first time in, in Michigan in August. I've always been in on the Monterey Peninsula for the Pebble Beach Concours and when I was at Laguna Seca for, for the Monterey Historic Races. But 
Um, I, it's going to be interesting to experience Woodward Dream Cruise because that is, you know, the ultimate gathering. You know, you, you people come from 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 all over the place with all sorts of cars. Um, for what I understand, so the tens of thousands of cars and hundreds of thousands of people. It's going to be interesting to experience and and, and see what that's like in person. I think I think the beauty too of of Woodward is that even even on any given summer night, a weekend night, you're going to just see people sitting out on their lawn chairs on the road. And yeah. I mean that you, you are right that the passion needs to come from somewhere. It needs to be nurtured. And uh, you know, fortunately, there's people out there who who are are collectors and they're and they're and they're building incredible collections with with outrageous vehicles. But the reality is we need numbers, right? We need we need that to be democratized, you know. So as much as it's incredible to go to Pebble or to go to Amelia, we do kind of need, you know, the average Joe to be out there mod- tinkering and modifying and, and cultivating and building and and keeping people engaged on the streets. I think I think that is what you see in Detroit, and I, I think I think that's going to be a, a good time <laughs> to see that side I, of it. Yeah, given what we've all been through in the last sort of twelve to fourteen months, um, I, I, I truly believe there's this is going to pent up demand for people to want to go out and just um, start living life again. You know, we 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 missed it for the longest time and. And obviously, for you know, sort of reasons that that affected everybody. Um, I, I know that there's a sort of a small event, well, not small event. There's an event that happens each Tuesday night around here, and when they started up about three weeks ago, whereas I, from what I understood, they would get maybe three, four hundred cars. They got eight hundred cars because I think people were just small you know, event. <laughs> every, everybody just to say we just got to go out. We just got to you know, it's it's now it's time. We've been we've been in this situation where we're you know all trying to. Do what we need to do to to sort of make the the pandemic go away, and and now I think generally, you know, hopefully it, it's all behind us, and now we gotta we gotta make up for a lost year. It feels that way. It does feel that way, and I I do think people are ready to go and make up for it. So I hope I hope um, you know environmentally we can. Unfortunately, it always feels like this us versus them thing. I mean, you don't have to be a you know, I, I, I am a, I try to think I'm a global citizen. Yeah, I like to burn fuel, but I also recognize that <laughs> I have an impact on, on our planet uh, with, with my carbon emissions. But at the same time, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I do my best to keep it reasonable when I'm not trying to be an enthusiast. I would happily drive an electric car day to day if it meant that I could continue driving my my high-strung V8s or my Porsche Flat 6 on the yeah. weekends, you know? And I hope that we can kind of come to some sort of in-between where the enthusiasts can, can continue. We don't lose that smell, that sound. Because to me, you know, I grew up in Massachusetts. We have... Uh, we had we didn't even call them car shows they were cruise nights you go to the cruise night and around here it was very much like michigan everyone has a hot rod everyone has a you know a bel air or a corvette or a chevelle or a nova and the smell of those exhausts that to me today still i just the most nostalgic thing it's completely toxic <laughs> but you know you smell that coupled with a cigar and somehow that brings me back to the age of 10. You know, my 10-year-old sense of smell is cigars yeah. and uncatalytically converted fuel. Um, <laughs> but, you know, ah, it's, it's a tricky one. It's hard because it feels like if you completely push back, you just, you're, you're met with defense. You're met with such hard defense yeah. against, against the emissions. Um, I don't know how to reconcile that. I don't know how to be an environmentally conscious person and also push for <laughs> what I want as a car enthusiast. It's a tough place to be in. 
Well, I mean, I'm of an age where I think that, you know, when we were kids, the smell of castrol R was, was just an aroma. I mean, that was, that was just a, uh, you could, you could bottle that up. Um, I, I, I think, you know, one of the things is going to be, uh, miss is, is the, 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 the manual shifter. I mean, oh. that, that's, that's going to be that. I, um, when I go to England, um, you know, most of the cars over the manual rental cars, you're invariably going to get a manual box. Um, and, and the roads over uh, also over there, my kids used to, to joke, it, it was like going to Disneyland because there's, there's no such thing as a straight road, especially we live in a country. You, you're always turning, you're always shifting up and down. And, and, and I love that. Um, so, you know, that, that's certainly uh, going to be an opportunity. I think we, as long as we can, you know, save, save the, save the manual, uh, uh, manual gearbox somewhere, um, just so we can have that shift experience. Thankfully, Amer- of all people, Americans are the reason why Porsche has has retained the manual gearbox. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we're good yeah. for something over here. Yeah. We 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 influence the uh, the German brand, so that's okay. Yeah. I feel good about that. But yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm so thrilled that you know you are an enthusiast with with an incredible background in all this taking taking you know taking over the the you know kind of setting the path for the future of um what is not at the moment probably like a household name m1 concourse but the more and more and more i hear people recognizing this location um and i think it will become a destination for folks to visit either private collections or hopefully to be able to go to certain events when they're open to the public well i think you know one of the things obviously we're we're doing everything we can here in, in, in our own way um to sort of stand out especially with the events uh, that we have. I mean, we've got our two events, Woodward Dream Show and American Speed Festival. Um, but this year, we have the return of, of what Motor Trend to do with what they call their roadkill nights, uh, where they actually close off sections of Woodward Avenue and along with the Dodge brand to do sort of drag racing there. Um, but we're also extremely fortunate this year to be the host venue for an event called Motabella, uh, which is put on by the Detroit Auto Dealers Association, which is the organization that puts on the Detroit Auto Show this year. And because they had not been able to do an auto show in 2020, um, and also again in 2021, um, you know, this is going to be sort of their show for this year. Um, and it's going to bring a lot of awareness to M1. Uh, be very proud to be the, the host venue. We're going to work closely with um, the, the Motabella group to, to put on, um, you know, a different experience event. It's going to be an event that allows them to do, you know, test drives on, on part of our track. Um, our track we can split into two. We, we call it sort of the North Circuit and the South Circuit. So they're going to use the South part for the part of the exhibit space. And then the North part, they're going to be able to do driving experiences for the manufacturers, you know, to, to showcase product with, uh, with the attendees. Uh, so that, that, that again is going to give us more awareness. We're certainly put out, but I think also in Detroit, I think we're fortunate and, and I've been coming here for a while visiting, whether it's for events or for business, but you know, with what the, the, the Henry Ford, as much as the Henry Ford is 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 all about uh, the whole world of innovation, um, you know their, their automotive segments is is certainly very focused. Right at the moment, they've got this wonderful exhibit driven to win. Um, you know, which which any time I'd come to Detroit, I'd, I'd always make a point of stopping by there, and, and and hopefully it gives people a reason when they come to Detroit or they have reason to come here. They've got you know the Henry Ford to to to, to go and see. They can come and see whatever we've got going on here. Um, I know currently down at the Detroit Institute of Art, um, they've got a spectacular uh, exhibit down there about uh, the design, you know, car design. 
um, and then the events that come here. Um, there's the St. John's, you know, Concord, St. John's, or Concord of America at St. John's, St. John's that's, that's coming here. Um, you know, the Grand Prix, which features both the IndyCar and, and IMSA series, um, and, and many other events that are in and around. And then, um, you know, too, not too far away, out in Kalamazoo, which is the other side of the state, uh, the, uh, the Gilmore Museum, where they have uh, the collection. They've got the Classic Car Club of America Museum. They've got a Cadillac Museum. They've got, uh, you know, a number of museums all within that, that Gilmore Museum property. So there, there is plenty to do in, in this part of the world for, for car enthusiasts, uh, which gives you know people a reason to come here because they've got multiple reasons. You know, once they get here, they've got multiple, you know, automotive-related things to, to become involved with. That's incredible. And I wish you the best of luck in your first season out there. This is exciting. I mean, you've only been there for three months and it seems like you're really dove in uh, or dived in head first. So it's exciting to see that. And uh, I hope I hope what goes on with um, the the uh, the Woodward show this this season is going to just enhance what was already a phenomenal event. It is. We're looking at what we're looking to do here. We want to compliment um, the Woodward Dream Show. It's very much, you know, that that's that's the legendary event. Um, you know, we, we're going to put something because we're right on Woodward Avenue and we're at the Pontiac end. I believe there's, there's nine cities or communities between Ferndale, where it starts in the south, all the way up to Pontiac. And I think Pontiac was the last city that actually became um, formally engaged with the, with the Woodward Dream Cruise. Um, and I think before people would they, they'd get to, you know, Birmingham or just the sort of the, the lower part of Bloomfield Hills and would have a tendency to turn around because there wasn't any reason to come all the way up here. And, and we hope that that we now give them a reason to come all the way out to Pontiac, along with the other things that the city of Pontiac are doing. You know, they're really working hard and they're almost calling it sort of Pontiac Power Week. We've got the roadkill nights to kick it off that one weekend. We've got Dream Cruise. We've got our dream show, um, the, the new... Uh, Pontiac Transportation Museum, which has moved into a, a, what was formerly a school building um, very close to downtown. Um, so I think we're all collectively working on making sure that Pontiac gets its fair share of awareness and attraction for the car enthusiasts to, to, to come up to this part of Woodward Avenue. That's so exciting. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled for, I guess, normality outside of the pandemic anyway. So I'm, I'm, you know, itching to get out of the house and go to any car shows I can. But um, if I make my way out there, I'll definitely come pay you a visit at M1. And, uh, you know, it would be great to see what it's become in the past, uh, you know, in the past year with, with people. Because I think, honestly, I think people need this more than they've ever needed it. Excellent. Well, you're more than welcome. Please, if, if you're in anywhere near this part of the world, just let us know. Um, and uh, we hope we look forward to, to seeing, you know, many, many of your listeners when, when they come out to Detroit and uh, for, for Woodward Dream Cruise and uh, stopping off and seeing our Woodward Dream show. It's great, to, it's great to talk to you. I know you may not be a household name yet. Maybe you will be at some point, but you're the guy, you know, you're one of those guys that I'd, I'd keep my eye on at the show because I'd realize all the people I know, like all the celebrities, I'd say, Oh, they're all going up to that guy. Who's that guy? (laughs) (laughs) They all want to talk to you. They know they got the inside line. So, (laughs) well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate the time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't know what else to say. Best of luck. I can't think of anybody more suited to go and, and, and spread this kind of passion in uh, in a city like Detroit. Well, excellent. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And we've got a great team here and uh, we've got an exciting year ahead of, ahead of us and we're looking forward to it. 
So what do you think? Tim McGrain, pretty good guy, right? I, you know, definitely got that CEO vibe from him, but I think we, you know, he opened up. He was willing to talk about his past. He wants to talk about, you know, what he enjoys. And, and he has a very sophisticated perspective when it comes to vehicles because having worked with Barrett Jackson, having worked at the Black Hawk Museum, this is a guy who isn't just like, ooh, I really like that new Ferrari. No, this is a guy who understands pre-war era vehicles. And I hope that with his leadership at M1, it not only helps M1 grow, but I hope that it inspires other venues like it to pop up around the country. Because I think I think what we need is a say <laughs> <laughs> this sounds this sounds very 2021. We need a safe space for cars, but we do. I feel like every time I have a car meet, especially any kind of impromptu meet, you know, oh, hey, yeah, we're going to have a few guys. We're going to meet in this parking lot. It's like the police show up. It's like we're not organizing a street race. There's like five cars and a couple of guys standing around talking about them. Like, it's not the end of the world. There's no trouble. There's no riffraff. Everything's fine. No one's even revving an engine. So... I guess maybe maybe the future of this is we're all going to have these little clubhouses and we're going to have our collections stored there. Sorry, Garage 42. Maybe you need, David, maybe up at Garage 42, it's time to start thinking about building your own racetrack. Well, anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Now that we can actually meet face-to-face, -face, I know we didn't do a face-to-face -face with this one, but I mean, I'm vaccinated. My friends are vaccinated. We just went out to California. We're going to be able to do these face-to-face -face podcasts. I'm so excited about that. Going to have some interesting folks coming on. And, you know, more important than that, we're going to be able to talk about some interesting subject matter. So thank you for listening. Don't forget to respect the drive. And I'll see you in the next one.